Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching from our lead pastor, Adam Scott. Hey, good morning, everybody. How many of you got your communion cup open on the first try without spilling it on yourself? All right, that's how we know it's going to be a good Sunday. Hey, listen, I want to thank you so much for being here. Week five of our journey all the way through the book of Romans. Before we jump into today's topic, I want to let you know that camp season is almost here. And what that means is that we've got kids of all ages that are about ready to head off to these different camp environments. We've got adults, myself included, that are going to go love on these students and help them take their next step closer to Jesus. But I want you to know that even if you're not going to camp, and even if you don't have a kid that's going to camp, you still get to participate in all the amazing things that are happening every time you financially partner with this church. You see, you may not know this, but we discount the price of every single camp ticket because we want to make it affordable for even more children to go. And we're only able to do that because of your faithful giving. And we thank you so much for investing in the next generation. Hey, if you want to make giving part of your worship experience, you can scan that QR code in the seat pocket in front of you, or you can head to one of our giving stations in the lobby. I also want to let you know um, that in the next service, we're actually going to be baptizing four children today. And that's exciting. I don't want you to miss out on that just because you're in this service. Man, jump on Facebook. We're doing it at the end of the service. Watch that part of the service so that you can celebrate that with us because it's going to be a great, great celebration. All right, let's jump into the message. For a chance to win my respect and admiration, okay, because that's all I have to offer, can anybody tell me who competed in the 2002 Super Bowl, okay? That's Super Bowl 36, okay? 2002. Anybody know? Nobody gets my respect or admiration today. So sorry about that. Hey, it was the St. Louis Rams and the New England Patriots, okay? Now, the New England Patriots, they were huge underdogs in this game. As a matter of fact, most people believed that they were just lucky to be in the game in the first place, which I guess is why they weren't afraid to try something new before the game even got started. You see, the Rams, they came out in the traditional way. They highlighted a few key players, their their name and their position, even the school that they went to for college. And this was a moment that those players had dreamed about since they were little bitty children. Some of them, they jogged out slowly because they were just savoring the moment of their name being broadcast into millions of homes. Some of them danced their way through the tunnel with cheerleaders and, and just celebrating all that was happening. But when it was time for the Patriots to be introduced, they turned their back on tradition And they chose instead to do something that absolutely shocked the crowd and and shut the announcers down. They were speechless by what they saw. Instead of highlighting the individual members of the team, they came out of the tunnel to these words, choosing to be introduced as a team, the New England Patriots. Guys, this was huge. Players sacrificed the honor of having their names broadcast all over the world to proclaim their unity and togetherness. The Patriots went on to upset the Rams to win their first Super Bowl and to be recognized as a team that was truly united in their mission and their purpose. Listen, today we're going to be talking about the power of unity and the power of togetherness. 
not just for sports, but for us as a Christian community, for the church. You see, like a football team, we operate at our best when we do what we do together. When egos are sacrificed for unity, when everybody contributes towards victory, and when we all recognize and value the contribution of others. The church is at its best when the church operates as a team. Here's our sermon in a sentence. Church is a team sport. Church is a team sport. Look at your neighbor and say, you made the team. All right, today we're going to learn how to operate like one. Okay, up to this point in the book of Romans, this is what Paul has taught us. He says, here is the gospel. He says, here's how Jesus changed everything. Here's how you get saved. Here's how the Spirit wants to work in your life. Here's how transformation happens. But in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 80, he tells us to embrace this idea of teamwork and unity. Why? Because if we don't work together, we're going to sacrifice everything that God wants to do in and through us next. Unity will either be our reputation and pathway to success, or the lack of it will be our downfall. Listen, today we're going to fight for unity. We're going to fight for teamwork by making three bold declarations together as a church. These aren't declarations that I'm making over you today. These are declarations that we're going to make as a community of believers so that we can begin the hard work of building a culture of teamwork that stands together with one another. The first one is found in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 5. This is what Paul says. He says, For the, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment and accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. You see, what Paul is saying here is not that we shouldn't have confidence in what God created us to do. He's not saying that we shouldn't have confidence in, in what we bring to the table. But what he is doing is he's talking about the dangers of, of comparing our assignment with the assignment of others. He's talking about the danger of inflating our own self-worth by thinking less of others, of finding our identity in anything other than Jesus, the dangers of allowing our ego to damage our togetherness. See, there's a, a temptation in every single group of people to rank ourselves by our behavior, our giftedness, and our contribution. And let me tell you something, the church is no exception. It happened in Paul's day, and it happens in our day as well. We all like to know where we stand. But Paul says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Do not rank yourselves above anybody else for any reason. Why? Because we have all missed the mark. We have all come up short, and we are all products of God's grace through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's why Paul says this in Galatians 3.28. This is the verse that Allie just read to us. It says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. What he says is the dividing lines have fallen, and Jesus has brought us together. You see, unity is not simply based on the fact that every single person matters, it's based on the fact that we are all equally dependent on the love and forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. Being loved by God unconditionally makes us special enough 
without having to imagine ourselves to be more important than we really are. We belong to one another because we belong to Jesus. Here's the first declaration that we're going to make as a community of believers. I want you to read this with me. We will fight for unity. You did not do that in unity at all. We're going to try that again. I'm going to count down. We're working together as a team. Okay, that's the whole point of the message. One, two, three. We will fight for unity. That was a little bit better. Okay, we got a couple more chances to get that right. Listen, what that means is that when something inside of us tries to rebuild the walls that Jesus has taken down, we will cling to, we will lean on, and we will fight for the bond we have in Jesus Christ. Listen, last week we talked about the first couple verses of this chapter. And if you remember right, it was in those verses that, that Paul encourages us to fight for transformation, to fight for maturity, to fight for spiritual growth. But see, the context here would suggest that any step we take closer to Jesus, any transformation in our life that brings us closer to him is also going to bring us closer to one another. You see, it's, it's kind of like, like if your family were scattered all over the country, but you decided that, that for this one week, you're all going to go on vacation to the same spot. You're all, you're all going to Washington, D.C., and so everybody starts out from all these different locations, but as they move closer and closer to their destination, naturally they're going to come closer and closer to one another. Listen, in the same way, if we're being transformed closer and closer to Christ, it will draw us as believers closer and closer to one another. Unity is the product of a growing relationship with Jesus. Division is a sign that we're headed in the wrong way. Can I put some meat on this for you? I mean, I'm really asking, but this is, this is some like letters to Northridge type stuff, okay? This is some deep stuff that's going to build some meat onto the bones of this. Listen, the day I stepped into the role of lead pastor, I began receiving anonymous letters. They've been left in my box here at work. They've been slipped under my door. They've been mailed to my house for my wife to intercept. And even this week, our elders have received some of the same letters, the contents, they vary from my preaching ability to our policies here at the church and even to which staff members I should fire and why. Now listen, I want you to know these are all coming from the same person. This is not a widespread issue at all, but that person will sit within the sound of my voice this morning. And at the risk of giving this person a moment in the spotlight, I'm going to call it out for what it is. It's sin. Listen, even if the opinions were 100% right, it's, it's a method that's the problem. It's sinful, it's cowardly, it's divisive, and it's straight from the pit of hell. Matthew 18 gives us a way that we can handle conflict in the church, and, and it's in a way that protects unity, and this is not it. Now, why am I telling you this? It's not because this is therapy, okay? I'm telling you this to demonstrate that we cannot look the other way or sweep it under the rug when there's something in the church that threatens unity. We've got to declare boldly that divisiveness has no place in God's house. All right, now let me give you another example, okay? And this is widespread, okay? I've seen this this morning in this room. Don't walk out until you hear me finish this point, okay? We've got a handful of people that hate the style of music that we play on Sundays, okay? We've got more than a handful of people that hate the style of music that we play on Sundays, but instead of slipping an anonymous note under my door, you know what they do? They take these right here, 
and they plug their ears every single Sunday. And week after week, they proclaim that they believe in this church, that they believe in our mission to reach a younger generation, and that they are willing to sacrifice their own preferences and desires for the sake of others. Let me tell you something. If you have these in your pocket right now, you are the picture of maturity in this church. If you have these in your pocket right now, you are raising the bar for the rest of us. And you are the people that God is using to build this church. Listen, unity matters. We've got to make a commitment that we're willing to fight for it. We're willing to celebrate it when we see it. And we're willing to call it out when it's under attack. That's the first thing that Paul wants us to do. The second declaration that we're going to make, it, it comes out of the next verse, and it's, it's really simple. Okay, this is what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 6. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. You see, what he says here is I want to clarify that unity does not mean uniformity. In the same way that, that varying parts of your body all serve a different purpose, we all bring something unique to the body of Christ. God gives different people different gifts to use in service of the church. Sometimes these gifts are things that we're born with, and they're enhanced by God's grace. But sometimes these gifts are things that are given to us upon surrendering our life to Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Either way, the combination of diversity and unity is what makes the church so rich and so strong. See, when varying gifts are brought together for the benefit of others, it paints a picture of what the church is supposed to be. The second declaration that we're going to make together as a church, once I count us off, one, two, three, go, okay, is this, one, two, three, we will celebrate diversity. That was so much better. What that means is we will not clone ourselves, we will not succumb to jealousy, we will value, honor, make room for, and call out all the unique ways that God has gifted others for His service in and through the church. Let me tell you what happens when we celebrate this kind of diversity and giftedness out loud. In middle school, I started to take my faith really seriously. I started to develop a passion for living for Jesus, but, but I was socially awkward, y'all. Like, I'm socially awkward now. It was really, really bad back then. I didn't know how to stand in front of a crowd. I was nervous to speak one-on-one -on -one with somebody, let alone in front of a group of people. But I remember we had a project. It was eighth grade, and it was U.S. history, I think, or Georgia history or something like that. And I stood up and, and, and I gave a presentation. It was something we had worked on all semester long. And when I got done, I sat down and I was like, it's over. Thank goodness. And my teacher, who I wasn't particularly close to, he got up in front of the entire class and he said, that's how you give a presentation. He said, let me tell you everything he did right. And every single one of you should take notes because you should do it that way. He walked around the room and he told them all the things that I did right. It wasn't my natural ability. Listen, I'm still ill-equipped to stand in front of a group of people. It was the grace of God that allowed me to do something I had never been able to do before. But get this, this is why it matters. It was through others that he brought that gift to the surface. You see, God gives us gifts, but it's often through others that God brings those out. The celebration of diversity will have us looking for the gifts we see in others and calling them out when we see them. And let me tell you something. If we get really good at this as a church, it's going to spark a revolution full of people that are finding their place in the church and using what they have to glorify God. This is why small group leaders, you are the front lines of everything we do at this church. 
whether you're leading kids or, or teenagers or adults, you are perfectly positioned to see and highlight the gifts in other people, gifts that they probably don't even see in themselves. Let me tell you, Lily McKenzie, I know she's not here today. She's on a trip with her family. Uh, but Lily McKenzie is a seventh grade student, and on our refrigerator is a card that she sent to my daughter telling her how great she did in worship a couple weeks ago. She recognized that she has a place and a purpose, and that's to call out the gifts of others, and it has changed my daughter's Sunday experience. Teachers and administrators, let me tell you something. This doesn't just happen at Northridge Christian Church because this is bigger than Northridge Christian Church. 25 years from now, somebody may use their gift to bring glory and honor to God, and they'll point to you. And let's say it's because you called that gift out in them that they were able to step into their purpose and fulfill what God had in store for them. Parents, we got to be looking for this in our children. It's easy to look at all the problems and all the things that we need to address and, and all the times that they fall short, but we've got to make it a priority to say, I'm going to see something in my kids that nobody else sees yet, and I'm going to call it out because that's what's going to develop them into the person that God wants them to be. Listen, whoever you are and whatever you do, be the church wherever you go by celebrating the unique ways that God has wired the people in your life. It's our job to help others find their place. One more declaration, okay? This is going to come from the tail end of this passage. This is what Paul says. If, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Listen, Paul is not just listing gifts He's challenging each member of the Christian community to use his or her own gifts faithfully and with excellence to strengthen the body of Christ. He says, you've got to discover what it is that you're good at, and then you've got to work hard to give yourself to that completely. You see, what Paul wants us to understand here is, is that God doesn't give us gifts to passively use in our free time, and he doesn't give us gifts to use and play with when we feel like it. He wants us to understand that Christian service is not a hobby. It's a divine calling that deserves our absolute best. Here's the third declaration that we're going to make together as a church when I count us down. Okay, one, two, three. We will contribute diligently. We will find, we will develop, and we will commit to using our gifts for the benefit of others. Listen, maybe you don't know what your gifts are. You could go to Google and, and search for spiritual gift tests, and you'll find a thousand different tests that will help get you started. But I want to tell you an easier way. Sometimes the best thing we can do to find our spiritual gifts is to walk into a room and look around and identify something that needs to be done that we would enjoy doing with excellence. There's a pretty good chance that's where your spiritual gift lies. Listen, it's easy to find out what it is, but Paul's instruction is to go farther than that, to use that gift to contribute diligently. What that means is if your gift is making and serving coffee, do it with all the energy, love, and care that you can bring to it. If your gift is loving on children, do it all the time with a smile and with candy in your pocket. If you're leading worship, practice and prepare Convince yourself that you're standing on stage in front of a stadium full of the most important people on the world because what you're doing matters. It means if your gift is giving, then give sacrificially and with faith. I had a conversation back here the other day. It was just last week. 
And somebody asked me, they said, when did you move the giving stations in the lobby? So we moved them to a different wall. And, uh, and I made a joke, and I said, we'd like to move them around so you have to work harder to give. Um, but what impressed me about the conversation was the fact that that individual would have found it no matter where we put it. If we had moved it in the janitor's closet, they would have kept looking until they found it because they were committed to giving to the church and nothing was going to stand in their way. Listen, that ought to be our attitude with our gifts. This team, the team around you, it needs everybody and it deserves everybody's best. We've got to contribute diligently with what God has given us to do. Church is a team sport. Listen, in every church I've ever been a part of, every church whose pastor I've ever talked to, this is the greatest hurdle for that church. This is the area where we are the most vulnerable to Satan's attack. This is the area that our elders gather and pray every single week, and somebody mentions unity, because this matters, because this is the place that if we'll prioritize this, if we'll get this right, man, it will propel us into all the things that God wants for us next. The world around us is divided. Have you noticed? The world is divided by race, by gender, by political affiliation, by income, by education, and more. This world is chasing after this and chasing after that. Anything that shines and catches their eye, they're going to run after it. What the world needs to see is an an alternative to itself, not a copy of itself. Our unity in the church is what's going to proclaim the gospel to the world around us if we'll choose to go out as a team. Will we fight for unity? Will we celebrate diversity? And will we contribute diligently? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for giving us things to do. God, I thank you that you don't just bring us into this place so that we can be spectators, but God, you bring us into this place so that we can make something happen. God, I pray that you press on the hearts of every person that's here that that God, they want to find their gifts and they want to use their gifts and they want to make a difference in your kingdom by your power and they want to work together as a team. Heavenly Father, I pray that over the next few moments you would work in our hearts. God, I pray that this wouldn't just be a song that we sing, but this would be a moment of reflection where we could hear your words. We could hear you stirring in our hearts and we could respond accordingly. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, I don't know what your next step is with this message. Okay, maybe, maybe you're at a point where you say, I need to start serving. Uh, maybe you say, I don't even know what my gifts are, but I've got to start the process of finding out what they are so I can get involved and help. You can scan that QR code in the seat pocket in front of you, and there's a tab called Serve, and it says, yes, I want to make a difference um, in this church. And if you'll do that, there's a way that you can say, I don't even know what I want to do yet. And somebody's going to reach out to you. They're going to help you find your place so that you can make a difference in and through the church with your gifts. Maybe you're in a different place and and you just say, you know what, I I need to begin fighting for unity. I need to begin speaking positively of other people. I need to begin calling out the good things I see in others. I need to repent of the times that I I have been filled with disunity and I have divided the church. Listen, whatever that may be, whatever God is speaking to you right now, just respond accordingly and remember that we are all one in Jesus Christ. And listen, I'm not just talking about this church either. Okay, I might preach a whole nother sermon, okay? I'm talking about all the churches. We are one together, and we are one united group of people that God is using to change the world. Maybe over the next few moments, you just need to pray for another church. Maybe you want to come fall on your face on the altar and say, I'm praying for Freedom Church, and I'm praying for Lakeside Church, and and I'm praying for Church Central, and I'm praying for all the churches in this community, because when one of them gets better, man, God is brought to glory. 
Listen, whatever God puts on your heart, please respond. We're going to have people at all four corners of the room. They'd love to pray with you, but stand up and let's sing together as one. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.